Thanks for joining us for season six of the Hospitality Hangout, a hospitality-focused podcast where the founders of Branded Strategic share their insights and bring technology and innovation leaders that are making things happen in the industry we love. My name is Jimmy Frischling, otherwise known as the Finance Guy. I'd like to introduce my partner, Mr. Michael Schatzberg, also known as the Restaurant Guy. Thanks for that kind and warm introduction, Jimmy. And to all those listening, feel free to call me Shatsy. And together, we are the personalities behind branded strategic hospitality. We work at the intersection of hospitality, technology, innovation, and capital. And today, Jimmy, we have a phenomenal guest. We were in Vegas. We came back. It was unbelievable. CES was great. It is freezing cold here in New York. We got a great guest. But before we get into it, Jimmy, I was thinking last night while trying to doze off, watching a little Seinfeld, I was thinking about something. I was thinking about the branded marketplace. That's what I think about when I'm going to sleep. I'm thinking marketplace. Jimmy, you got to check this place out. You go to the marketplace. It is connecting every operator in the whole world with the best in class tech and innovation. Jimmy, have you checked it out yet? You know, I got to tell you, I dabble. I've been checking. I've been dabbling. It's unbelievable. It has best in class tech and innovation. It's and Jimmy, the best thing about this is the price. Do you know how much we're charging for something like this? It's got to be expensive. This thing you would think good. it would be. I, I, yeah, I mean, the way you would think, like what Netflix is what fifteen, sixteen dollars a month. Apple I thought, TV I a day. <laughs> yeah, it's it's crazy. Free, Jimmy. Free. No charge for operators. No charge for the innovative companies that are on it. It is free for everybody. And Jimmy. How are we making money? You're the finance guy. You know how to add this up. How are we making money? Volume. That's right. We make it up in volume. Jimmy, if you haven't checked it out, go to thebrandedmarketplace.com. Check it out. It's got great solutions for all operators. And if you want to be on the marketplace, if you have a solution that's solving problems for hospitality, get on the marketplace. Email us at marketplace at brandestrategic.com, and we will get you uploaded very quickly and seamlessly. Jimmy, back to the show. That was great, and uh, and that, that shameless self-promotion was brought to you by Chico's. Chico's Bail Bonds. You need a bail bond, go to Chico. you got to get a better sponsor, Jimmy. Yeah, we're working on it day by day. All right, we are very excited about today's show. Our guest today is our friend, our partner, Lindsay Hull, founder and CEO of Dispatch Goods. We're having a fun time with Lindsay today. She is a fantastic person, leader, and doing one of the most interesting things right now in food service, uh, particularly in light of everything going on in the world of off-prem and takeaway and delivery. So let's jump into it. Lindsay, we'll let you take the lead. Please give us a little background about yourself and, of course, about Dispatch Goods. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jimmy. It's wonderful to be here. Um, about me. Chatsy, <laughs> sorry, he did the intro. <laughs> he called me so interesting. I mean, uh, both of you, I'm super stoked to be here. Um, it's still early in, in California, so I might get more energetic as the, as the hour goes on. But um, it's better yeah. that first that first intro call we had, which we thought it was like you were Eastern time. We did it at nine o'clock Eastern time. It was like <laughs> yeah. six in the morning. You were still sleeping. And she was like, she's like, why are these A's? Why are these A holes? Actually, scheduling me at six a.m. as a first call. Yeah, nice to meet you. I, I immediately changed my Calendly availability after that. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyways, yeah. So I'm Lindsay. Um, I'm the founder and CEO of Dispatch Goods. I my background was very unrelated. I worked in cardiac surgery for over a decade, um, running the heart lung machine during open hearts. Um, and I'm also a surfer. So I took a job as the chief uh, perfusionist at a hospital over in Hawaii. 
which was uh, not bad work if you can find it. Wait, um, a chief what? Perfusionist. That's the title of the role I used to do um, where I ran Jimmy, do you know what a perfusionist is? <laughs> I believe it's got something to do with cardiac surgery. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I couldn't, why couldn't you just say that? <laughs> well, it, it does so much cooler. I think, she, yeah. way, I think she did. I think she did just say that. She just used yeah. words that might so, have been. Okay, so you were a medical sales rep, and, and and then you go into a heart and lung perfusionist. It was the reverse. So first, I worked in the clinical role, and then I started to sell the equipment that I used to use in so, Hawaii. Yeah. Yep. And I, yep, that's right. So I worked at UCSF in San Francisco first, um, and then I was recruited for a position in Hawaii and moved there, uh, mostly for the surf. So it sounds like this was a natural move for you to get into sustainability with food. That's right. So while it I was- It sounds in- like, you know, from a heart long <laughs> profusionist right to dispatch goods. Maybe, that, that's exactly what happened. I just woke up one morning and I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to start a company. I got to um, tell you, if I had a nickel for every time someone left uh, cardiac <laughs> surgery and moved into the food service business, yeah. I'd have about three nickels. Yeah. <laughs> actually, maybe, actually, maybe just maybe, one nickel. Maybe just one nickel. Actually, yeah, yeah, I was going to say, nickel. Lindsay's the only nickel yeah. you'd have. I'd have, I'd, have a, I'd have one nickel. <laughs> yeah. Well, that is yeah. Incre- that's an incredible uh, segue, I must say. Yeah, a little bit of an unusual, I would say, pathway to, to what I'm doing now. But honestly, like I was confronted firsthand with microplastics. That's how it started. Um, my favorite surf breaks had a lot of plastic pollution. Um, they were often the most remote surf breaks and um, the beaches. I went to one beach and it looked like the sand was rainbow colored because it was all microplastics. Um, so I got really involved with uh, Surf Rider Foundation and a program called Ocean Friendly Restaurants, where we helped restaurants transition to more sustainable practices. So um, really, the whole so the whole dispatch goods is it coming out of your love of surfing? For sure, yeah. Um, it's kind of the protect what you love. And first I did it as a volunteer. And then I was spending more time at my volunteer position than I was in the operating room. <laughs> and then I was like, maybe I should just do this uh, full time. And I didn't feel like anyone was really solving the problem. It was a lot of band-aids. Um, and so I started to dream about what kind of infrastructure was needed to support something more reusable, more completely circular. Um, and yeah. So just give us a high level, because now we know how you got into dispatch goods, but just yeah. give our listeners, what is dispatch goods? Yeah. So basically, we are a reverse logistics um, infrastructure that's supporting circular packaging. What that means is we're kind of like recyclers, just we reuse instead of send stuff to another country to hypothetically be recycled, but probably not. And we did that starting with partnering. Uh, that by sounded like you were cynical about that, by the way. Recycling? Yeah, that I am. We send it to another country for the quote unquote recycling. Well, we know statistically that it's it's fair. It's fair cynicism, in my opinion. Yeah, I think I think we can back that up. I think <laughs> yeah. the data backs up Lindsay's uh, Lindsay's assertion. Yeah. Um, yeah. So basically, we call it internally the fourth bin, um, that we need a fourth bin system after trash, compost, and recycling. Compost is obviously not a bin that every town has, but in San Francisco, we're lucky enough to have it. Um, and in what we started to build is essentially a curbside and business uh, collection system for reusable goods um, that we process more locally, and um, which also reduces you know, the carbon footprint of travel. Um, and process, and then we give, uh, we basically redistribute packaging and other items back to businesses. Um, and uh, we started with the restaurant industry because that's generally consumers' number one waste-related pain point is food packaging. So um, that's how I, we got I got to tell you, I, I, I think it's unbelievable because I know as a consumer, 
I got to tell you, my recycle bin that I have in my apartment, it gets filled up so quickly just from all the the, the food delivery that we get. I mean, New York City, I mean, we order in all the time. I'm Jimmy. Are you ordering? How many meals are you ordering in a week? I uh, I will say that that the pandemic I I'm probably emptying my recycle bin uh, every other day if not daily sometimes if I think about the containers the packages not just food it's also just how much stuff comes from Amazon and the plastic that comes in those things so yeah. uh, no we're we're definitely busting the bin Lindsay I, I want to jump in I do have some breaking news and I and I really feel very spoiled that I get to do the Wait, breaking I news. do breaking news I know but, but actually, yeah but this time it's real breaking news so that so I I got the nod oh, I do the fake news. You do the fake breaking news. Uh, fake news, Jackie. Fake news. Fake news. Listen, but before we jump into a quick question, what was harder, working in cardiac surgery or being an entrepreneur? So I, I will say that I work a lot more hours as an entrepreneur. Knew it. Um, but I think working in cardiac surgery is harder. Um, when something Stakes happens. might be a little higher, right? <laughs> yeah. A little bit, a little bit. Yeah. And it's honestly, you have a minute, two minutes to troubleshoot. I at least usually get a phone a friend if I'm in a pickle uh, as a <laughs> as an entrepreneur. And you yep. can have that in cardiac surgery. It's it, like, yeah. I was going to say, in the operating room, can you call somebody on the phone? I mean, they're not I've helpful. never seen this before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it does happen, but like in a real pinch that something's broken. And, and you know, like, I don't know if you guys know this, but we stop the heart during cardiac surgery and the heart-lung machine is the full support for, um, for operating the heart and lungs. And so you have the same amount of time as if your heart stopped to, to troubleshoot uh, what's going on. So the, the stress is high. It's helped prepare me for the entrepreneurial world in yes. that, uh, that constant flow of stress uh, right. I've dealt with before. All right. I, I loved it. I just had to ask because, again, that nickel, I, I want to get my money's worth of that one nickel I have. Okay. So here we go. The breaking news that I want to share today on The Hangout. Dispatch Goods has now launched on the East Coast. Listeners in New York, in Baltimore, in Washington, D.C., get ready, get excited. Well, I know your East Coast footprint, Lindsay, is really just getting going. Uh, I'd love yep, for you to share with December, our audience. That's super yep, exciting little, for us. Yep. Give a little deep dive or a deeper dive into the challenges of operating a home collection business in New York versus San Francisco yeah. and how you're navigating that. East Coast, West Coast, or as I like to say, East Coast and the other coast. <laughs> we say it in reverse on the West Coast. Yeah, I respect that. <laughs> um, yeah. So we've been operating a home collection system in San Francisco for about a year and a half. And there's, of course, challenges. Um, But in San Francisco, we have more single family homes, even though we're still kind of a metropolitan area. Um, So right now we're launched on the East Coast. We're not doing home collection yet. Uh, That's something we'll be building out. Um, But navigating the kind of complexities of apartments um, is a new challenge. Um, And and I would say that there's probably just more people eating kind of on the go and where they put things on the go than in San Francisco, where food's generally going to either offices or homes. Um, so the home collection piece, we're going to need a much more kind of robo- robust collection system. Um, so that's one piece that we're working on right now. Well, I got to tell you, this is super exciting. I mean, the traction you guys are getting and now you're here on the East Coast is just awesome. You know, there's something I've heard you say a few times that really gets some attention. Um, and that is people are sick of eating food out of their trash. So when customers discover how great your containers are, 
Do you find that they're keeping them? Are they not giving them back because they love them so much? I mean, it's like Tupperware on steroids. Tupperware basically just aged myself. I mean, does anyone <laughs> have Tupperware anymore, Jimmy? I was going to say the food, the uh, that that donut was above the rim, Shatsy. It wasn't in the garbage. It was above. Right. It was above George Costanza the, ate the, uh, the eggclair, right? At, right, it was the eggclair. It was it was on the wrapping. It was above the. It was above isn't the rim. There, is there a three second rule in the garbage too? I think it's about two seconds in the garbage <laughs> as long as it's above the rim. Yeah, as long as it's above the rim. Sorry, people, are people, are people getting your stuff it. and not giving it back? My, I know my mom would never give it back, but that's my mom. She takes sweet and low. You know, from this, from this, from the, from the restaurant. You know, or the, or the equal packs. Yeah. Well, um, we, uh, yeah, I would say that we have a really high return rate, but it's take it's taken some tweaking. Um, we used to have really kind of cutesy marketing that it was like, "Hey, I'm a reusable container. Help me get home." And people were like, I take that as a suggestion, not a mandate. Um, <laughs> and so now our um, containers say like property of dispatch goods, you must return so that there's no ambiguity. We've had to get a lot more stern in our communication. Is there a process? Is there, do you put like some sort of like legal disclaimer that we could prosecute you to the fullest extent of the law? <laughs> we do get, so we, we started off with, um, you know, a, a phone number that you could text and we moved to QR codes because luckily the restaurant industry has trained customers on how to use QR codes. Yes. That's been a really nice uh, thing for us. And um, and we got a lot of questions of like, well, what happens if I don't return it? We're like, nothing. It's just bad karma. Um, <laughs> so, um, but we've got enough, our messaging down enough that, that our return rate is incredibly high. It's, it's, it's higher than what we know from the deposit models that exist where you get a deposit, but you have to actually go out and return something. Coming to your home and collecting something that you don't get rewarded for has has wielded a higher return rate than I would think so. I mean, because the customer is really excited about what you're doing and right. they're buying into the whole reusable. So they want to they want you to succeed because they want this to expand. Yeah, that's what we that's what we feel like. And and people, because of our, our containers are so nice, again, like there's not ambiguity about whether this is trash or 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 a reusable container. It's like very clearly a reusable container. Right. So customers know that it's not theirs. They didn't pay for it in most situations. And so it needs to be returned. Shatsy, I think we can help Lindsay and Dispatch Goods a little bit on, 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 on future podcasts. Add just a little segment about shaming people. Yes. That if you see somebody with a Dispatch Good container in their home, we yeah. all need our audience and our listeners to add a little shaming. Like, yes, really? You're, you're, I agree. You're part Immediately of this, part of this go to group? Instagram and shame yes. them. Shame. I say shaming. <laughs> all right. I want to talk about uh, market seg from a market segment perspective uh, for a moment. It is worth noting, and I love this stuff. That uh, 335 billion, okay, I wanna be very clear, 335 billion worth of packaging is wasted. And 80% of that ends up in either a landfill uh, or lost or incinerated. And Americans throw away or use 110 pounds of single use plastic, e plastic containers every wait they year. eat they eat that or they <laughs> they, they, they sorry, no they they use they oh, throw they use away it. okay they use it and to Lindsay's point earlier and Shatsy of why she was suspect uh or discerning of uh it's a crazy number by the way you're about to read. just eight percent of that is actually recycled in the U.S. So why am so, I taking all my stuff and filling my container in my house if only eight percent of that's gone I should put what like you know a little bit I, I be part of the be part of the solution, Shatsy. Don't be part of the problem. So be, only eight percent is being recycled. Really, be part of that. Be part of the eight percent. But listen to Lindsay 
how do you see the work you're doing with Dispatch impacting these figures? I mean, obviously, we really want to shift those those numbers in that it's not $335 billion worth of packaging waste. It's $335 worth of packaging that is basically lent so that um, we're starting to, to chip off uh, a portion of that. You know, we, th- we talk a lot about end of life and where packaging ends up. We, we think a lot less about how many trees um, are destroyed every year to make pizza boxes. And I know that that's a very touchy subject to think about, but we're causing like deforestation also to make packaging that's used for only 12 minutes um, and then never used again. Um, so dispatch is really, we've thought about this from both the, the end of life, as well as like the beginning of life, the entire process, um, and, and why reuse is really the clear solution. Um, and not just from a, um, you know, sustainability standpoint, but we think about the, the customer experience restaurants take so much like work and care into preparing meals. And we just don't think that the trash that you're eating out of represents the quality of the food. And so uh, that's another place where we think reuse really has an opportunity to have an off-premise experience that's much more closely in line with what the the dine-in experience would be for customers Um, and and why we've taken such care in like the, you know, design of the packaging itself. So that it's more. I think it's just about getting people over that, that stigma. You know, when I talk to people about what Dispatch Goods is doing and reuse, they're like, ah, that's crazy. Reuse. I don't know, reuse. Like when you go to a restaurant, you're eating off a plate that was washed. <laughs> yeah. When you go to a hotel, I mean, those sheets were washed. T- I mean, we're using, we're reusing stuff all the time. Yeah. So, you know, but there's this stigma. But so why not uh, in, in all of our takeout goods? I mean, it's crazy, right? It just needs to get people over that hump that yeah. we're reusing stuff all the time. Yeah. It's not and dirty. I mean- there's brands like Strauss Milk is a very popular West Coast milk brand, and all of their bottles are reused. You, it's a $2 bottle repository. There's a lot of juice shops and, and beer companies that are doing the same thing. Um, so uh, it's something that I think because takeout food has been served in trash for so long that people equate it with trash. And that's where the the you know the, there's a cognitive disconnect between all of the other items that we are reusing in our day-to-day life. Um, I don't think that you know, it would be a good system if people were hand washing them and then at, at their homes. And then, you know, that was something that anyone could use again. Um, yeah, I don't think that, well, yeah, right. In restaurants, we're using, you know, very uh, potent chemicals and super high temperatures. But that's yeah, right. 100%. Yep. Well, and look, that's why it makes sense for a third party to come in and make sure that the process is. I love it. Know. I love it. Look, we're talking a lot about, you know, sustainability now. So let's get into a big topic everyone's talking about. It's all over, you know, everywhere you read ESG. ESG, environmental, social, and governance. Let's talk about that. Can you share more about why operators should be, why restaurant operators, why people in hospitality should be paying attention to this and adopt an ESG program for their business? Because you don't hear about this in restaurants a lot. Yeah. You know, we've given this so much thought because of the fact that, uh, I mean, short answer is restaurants should care because your customers care. Um, and at the end of the day, we know that customers care um, for a couple reasons. One, we with, we have an integrate uh, integration with Square, so we have a, a lot of data from um, our restaurants that are integrated with Square, and we have been able to track now that restaurants once they partner with Dispatch Goods, their their top line revenue grows. Um, so the, it, the proof is in the pudding, really, that um, adopting 
more sustainable practices and um, improve, you know, your customer experience and then they'll show that up. That should be enough you know. right there. If you say we <laughs> yeah. use dispatch goods and, and, you know, repeat business and margins go up or people come back, that's enough right there, right? Yep. Wait exactly. a second. Let's, 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 let's play that out. I love, look, we love data, especially when the data proves uh, our thesis or is proving success. So this relationship with Square and the tracking you're doing, yep. what can you share about that uh, in terms of the findings? What, yeah. what do you know about the, you know, customers pre and post utilization of dispatch? Yeah. So it's been a really kind of like wild year in the restaurant industry. So the data is, I would say, more um, like the data was more impressive. You know, like that was really impressive, I guess, to start. Our very first restaurant to use dispatch goods as the default packaging option um, is is kind of a very well-known restaurant in San Francisco called Zuni Cafe. Um, And uh, before they launched uh, to the week after they made the announcement, we were on the front page of the, Chron- the San Francisco Chronicle. So, of course, they got a lot of PR for being the first, but they increased, they doubled their the packaging that they were going through after launching with Dispatch Goods based on the, um, based on the, basically the um, impact of switching to reusable packaging. Um, another restaurant that we launched with in the um, East Bay increased their top line revenue by 35% after launching with Dispatch. So um, it's really um, a, an incredible um, experience for us. Uh, to see that customers are showing up to support restaurants. Um, and we had an inclination because we also work with direct-to-consumer companies that are doing meal delivery um, services. So, you know, Imperfect Foods is a big customer of ours. Um, yeah, well, let's jump into some other partnerships. Let's talk about, yeah. you know, a successful uh, partnership with DoorDash. And when you first launched with DoorDash, your packaging was called the avocado upcharge. Yeah. I love the avocado <laughs> upcharge. Now it's just built into the order. What kind of yep. feedback can you give us now on on that partnership and what customers are saying and what and what how they're feeling? Yeah, it was really exciting to to launch with DoorDash because um, we were basically an, an add on item for our restaurant partners, and, and we worked with DoorDash to create that modifier um, for for restaurants. So they had like check what a box found- if they wanted reusable kind of thing. That's right. right. And, and it was an add-on fee. It was $1.99. Um, and so we we doubled, like basically we were we were capturing about double what we predicted. So from our perspective, it was a really big success. What we found that restaurants um, like relayed to us is I don't want this to just be for a portion of my customers. I'd rather just have this completely replace my packaging. And so- Right. That not, now it's not of, even an option. It's just, this is how yeah. we do it. Yeah, some restaurants still keep it as an option. And I would say that for fast casual. Can uh, we shame those restaurants? Can we give its names (laughs) and we'll shame them right now? No, it's 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 great. Some want to dip their toes in before taking the full plunge. All right, we'll we, shame them now, but give us a couple <laughs> months. We're going to shame them. Yeah. Um, but increasingly, now about 70% of our volume is driven from restaurants that have completely replaced their packaging with reusable, which is really awesome. Yeah, I love it. Um, I got to tell you, like, I order all the time, and I know that on some of the platforms, they have a box if you don't want any packaging. Yeah. But a lot of times they still send it. And I got to tell you, they don't send you, like if you order like two entrees, they don't send you like two, you know, meal kits or two five and ones or whatever you want to call them. They send you like seven or 10. They just give you so much stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's just to- it's ridiculous. 
we always <laughs> ask our customers that we're doing collection from, like, what what is your waste pain point? Like, what are you holding on to? Every single person in America, I'm convinced, has a drawer full of, of utensils that they didn't want and now have ac- accumulated in their home. And they're like, I don't know what to do with all these utensils. Yeah, you feel bad about throwing it <laughs> out. But like, what everyone you... just has the, their hoarder's drawer. Uh, and not for nothing. <laughs> like, don't most people have silverware in their house at this point? I mean, is it... Do- when offices do. Yeah, it's so very rare occasions that you really need that really well-made knife and fork that they give you that inevitably snaps anyway. <laughs> totally. And the napkin that's the size. I mean, it's like a Bev nap, right? Jimmy, what are you, what are you doing with that stuff? I agree. We check the box of don't deliver the utensils all the time. We always get utensils. I think they should invert that. Check a box if you want And maybe utensils. we won't get yeah. it. Right. And then may, and maybe, it's, and maybe we won't. Listen, uh, before we move on, uh, I want to share that last year, Dispatch replaced 367,000 items from the waste system. That comes out to one out of one item for every two San Franciscans. Siskins? Is, that, San Franciscans? is it San Franciscans? Yeah. Good. See, that's by the way, that's why is New, New Yorkers? New Yorkers sounds better. It rolls off the tongue better than a San Franciscan. It um, rolls off my tongue better. What is the goal for tw- uh, 2022 and what is next for dispatch? Yeah. So, um, Last year was our first full year in operation, so we feel that, that that's a pretty exciting kind of first year number. And um, we're pretty confident we'll hit over a million this year. Um, I think two million is definitely feasible. Um, so that's our that's our big goals from a number standpoint. And then what's next for San Francisco? I mean, we're we're focused right now on the East Coast, and so or sorry, dispatch. We're we're focused on the East Coast, so we'll continue to build out our business on the West Coast. Um, we have grown our team. We've doubled our team in the last couple months, so that's super exciting. Um, and then growing on the East Coast is is you know a, a big opportunity for us, and we know that there's plenty of trash uh, to be replaced, and uh, we feel like <laughs> we're the women for the job. I love it. I love it. And listen, we, uh, Shatz and I, uh, native uh, New Yorkers. Well, I'm from, um, I'm from Jersey, Jim. You remind me all the time. You, you can't say I'm a native New Yorker. Oh, yeah, yeah actually, that's true. Uh, but we certainly, <laughs> we uh, to our fellow New York uh, and, and Tri-State or East Coast operators, we want to help not only dispatch reach that goal uh, of a million items removed from the way system, but we want uh, the East Coast to outperform the West Coast. Tall order, tall order. I know, but let's do this. Let's do this, East Coast. All right. Listen. It turns out that while we uh, we launched this podcast because we like talking to people and we like controlling the mic, we learned along the way that sometimes our guests have questions for us. So let's kick off our talking back, uh, Lindsay. We're going to let you take the microphone. You can ask us any question you like. Nothing is off the table. Let's okay. go. All right. Great. So I can't help but notice that sometimes I'm outnumbered um, in a male to female ratio as being a, a, a woman entrepreneur in the, in the restaurant tech industry. Curious if you guys can think of any way to help, help encourage more women um, uh, starting businesses and, and tackling some of these you know, problems or issues or opportunities that we see in the space. Um, and if you've seen any reasons why there's you know not been as much um, kind of, you know, women in, in roles like I'm in? Uh, it's a fantastic yeah, it's a question. great question. You know what? I immediately go right to Jimmy on this one. <laughs> I was like, I feel like- I know I'll say something answer. wrong and get shamed. <laughs> you know, I know I'll say something wrong. How could you say that, sexist? <laughs> 
Um, no, I think it's a great question, and I'm actually very happy uh, to attempt an answer. Um, and I would say that we um, we were very proud um, when we were introduced to you and your team um, to have um, a uh, a woman led. Uh, company. Um, we have made uh, quite an, a large number. Well, for, uh, we've made a number of investments, and and you were the first um, uh, woman-backed company. Um, never forget your first, me, Jimmy. And you never forget your first. Um, <laughs> and actually, now we have a second. Um, Yay! That's awesome. Uh, we do have a led. second. We do have a second. And and I would say, you know, from a macro and a micro perspective, um, first of all, we we, we believe um, this is a tremendously fragmented industry and a very diverse industry. And we want to have uh, a diverse leadership team across the companies we work with, um, not because it's a nice thing to do, but because it's, the, it's an important thing to do. We believe it will result in our being better stewards of capital to have decision makers and executives uh, that are more reflective of the you know of 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 just you know the you know our population and otherwise i also okay. think there is there is data and empirical evidence actually about uh, even about women's decision making um and and i've seen a number of of of, an, of analyses that to even talk about in when it comes to stock picking even um the outperformance of of of, of female or women uh, portfolio managers um so my, you know there i'm sure there's enough data to, to or, or statistics to argue either point but but what's what's very clear to me is we believe there is value in the diversity of the CEOs that we are backing, and we're thrilled to make you the first. I will also just add that uh, the industry itself that we're in, the hospitality industry, the food service industry, has long, you know, as others, have been you know, somewhat male dominated. And a lot of the CEOs we work with grew up in the industry, and it's one of the things we really like is to find people that know the pain points, understand the workflow, and have built solutions that have less friction. So to some extent, we uh, uh, the, the, the CEOs uh, that are building these tech solutions for operators, since it was a more male-dominated community, they're the ones who now dominate the tech space. But that's clearly changing and emerging. And if we can get more people to leave ca cardiac surgery and get <laughs> yeah. off the beach of Hawaii, we might even do better. But in all seriousness, um, we, we are thrilled thrilled to be working with you and Dispatch. We are thrilled to have a second uh, uh, women, a female CEO, um, and we want to encourage um, uh, both uh, women and, and, and persons of color uh, to really say that this is an industry now that is affording more, I guess, opportunities than we've ever seen it before. This is no longer a job that is about waiting tables or, or bartending or, or cooking. Those are critically important jobs, but there is now a real career path that will rival any other industry in terms of engineering and computer science and marketing and sales and executives. They're going to lead businesses that we think is a, a massive uh, industry. So I would say much longer answer. Than no, I've no, ever Jimmy, given, that I was think. short for you. That was very short for you. <laughs> but I thought the question was war warranted a thoughtful answer. I think it I could have been a whole podcast on that question. <laughs> But I think it's a great question. And I have to say, Lindsay, to, while we, we like to joke around on the show, we were really excited. We did not um, – and, and and for just transparency, we don't – we're not just friends with Lindsay. We said at the top of the show she is our partner. We have invested and in deployed capital into Lindsay and her company, and we were not looking – to, uh, let's say to make the decision, just just find someone a female CEO and invest with. But we loved your company, and I have to say we were not upset that we have essentially found you or or found each other, and that you were in fact the first female led. Um, the, sorry, CEO. Well, well Jimmy, uh, I remember. I got to tell you, I got. I remember going out to Minnesota. I met Lindsay. 
at the uh, at the at the farm to fork program uh, with TechStars, and I remember calling Jimmy. I said, "Jimmy, you sent me out here to fi- to find a female CEO. I think I found her. There you go. I think <laughs> I found awesome. her. There are twenty companies here. There's one female CEO. I think I got her." So uh, that was a real inside story there. Yeah, there you go. Get it. I don't even know if Dispatch that. Goods did it in care. I'm like, Lindsay, <laughs> female, Jimmy, we got the company. <laughs> now, all kidding aside, yeah, we're having a good time with Lindsay and Dispatch Goods and everything you're doing. All right, switching gears a little bit. Um, listen, we always joke about hospitality being very slow to embrace technology. We came up with a new segment, Are You Ready? Which came first? The, it's, it's Which came first is basically a segment, okay? Are you ready for which came first? <laughs> Yep. Okay. Which came first, Lindsay? The car wash or the dishwasher? Oh. The dishwasher. Wow. Look at that. The first dishwasher to be granted a patent was invented in 1850 by Joel Hufton. It was a wooden box that was used to hand and hand turned a wheel to splash water on dirty dishes and it had scrubbers. And that was the first practical dishwasher. But the first that was the one that got the patent. The first practical dishwasher was invented by a woman named Josephine Cochran. And she built this in the shed behind her house in Illinois in 1886. So, man, that's been going around a long time. And the first car wash, not till 1914. It's amazing. Women love start, starting dishwashing companies, apparently. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, so the first car wash business was 1914, and that was called the automated laundry, and they pushed cars through a tunnel while people scrubbed them. So dishwashers, 1850, who would have thought? Oh, Jimmy, I didn't even give you a chance to guess. Jimmy, for who? what came first, car washer or dishwasher? Dishwashers. Dishwashers. Jimmy always gets it right. Always gets yes. it right. Very, very interesting. Look at look at Lindsay. Immediately yes. got that right. Yeah, and, and, and unfiltered. I'm not sure I would have gotten that right, but thankfully you didn't ask me until after Lindsay answered the question. <laughs> you confirmed she was right, so now I can pretend to say, yeah, I, I knew that. Uh, yeah, what's her name? 1850. I can't believe it. I don't think the outhouse was invented yet, Jimmy. Well, we'll save that for another uh, another podcast. Okay, time for our crystal ball moment. A chance for all of our guests to put on their Kreskin or Miss Cleo hats and predict the future, the future. Lindsay, how do you see restaurants and dining two years from now in relation to hospitality and technology? Yeah, I mean, I think for better or for worse, off-premise dining is going to continue to to surge. And so, um, you know, from what we're seeing, we're getting a lot more connections with you know, kind of cloud kitchen concepts and um, restaurants that are starting starting without a brick and mortar space. Um, so I think that there's going to be more and more um, kind of exciting um, development in that space. Um, we hope that uh, single use plastic, uh, you know, uh, is no longer the stronghold in packaging um, and that more sustainable option shift. And I would say that trends are, are following our prediction there. Um, so uh, in two years, I hope that, you know, in the 10 largest cities, dispatch goods is a viable option for, for restaurant owners. Well, I got to tell you, it sounds to me like, uh, A, I agree that off-prem will continue to grow. And B, that's a good thing for dispatch goods, as long as it's yeah. reusable. As long sure. as it's reusable. Yeah. Let's jump right into branded quickfire. I am going to ask Lindsay five lightning round questions. I want you to answer the first thing that comes to your mind. Don't think too hard. Are you ready? Yes. Favorite beach to go surfing? Ocean Beach, San Francisco. 
Where are you getting dinner from tonight? Oh, we have a new restaurant partner in the sunset, Lale. What is your favorite food city in the world? Oh, that's a great question. I mean, I would say New York. Jimmy, 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 East Coast, New York. See that? My sister and brother both live there. San Franciscan, loving New York. You know what the main difference is, is that there's, I think, higher density of restaurants per person. So you can get into like really good restaurants in New York where you got to book two months in advance in San Francisco. Okay. Keep telling yourself that. Where is is your favorite place to travel? Uh, Nicaragua. Really good. Surfing. Surfing, right? Yeah. Yeah. If you were to challenge Jimmy or I to a game of Yahtzee, who would you have better odds of beating? Ooh, this is tough. I don't know who's a better gambler. Um, but Yahtzee has, is a bit of a numbers game uh, from a strategic standpoint. Well, you know so, where she's going with this, Jimmy. Yeah, I think I would take on Yahtzee for that. Yep. All right, we're back on track. Thanks, Lizzie. Thanks, we're back Lizzie, on last, last, last week, I think I beat Jimmy. And we're back on to Jimmy's like, I don't know, 28 and 1 or something like that. We are back on track. Thank you, Lindsay. Listen, uh, away from picking me as the uh, as your Yahtzee, uh, uh, the harder to beat, uh, we want to thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Uh, we love what you're doing. We appreciate you sharing some great insights today with our audience. Um, and we really also love what the work you're doing to support this industry, um, not just during this time, but 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 really going forward. Uh, you're doing important things. Um, and, um, and we believe in it. We're proud to be your partner and look forward to a long and prosperous relationship together. If you'd like to get in touch with Lindsay directly, you can email the podcast team. Jimmy, I have uh, her phone podcast. number if you want. I do have Lindsay's cell because I remember yep. we hung out in, in Minnesota. Yep. It's um, it's 888-555-5555. Um, no, if you want to get in touch with Lindsay directly, uh, reach out to the podcast team at podcast at brandedstrategic.com, and we'd be happy to make the introduction uh, to our listeners. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in with us. We know there are literally hundreds of thousands of podcasts out there, uh, and the fact that you choose to hang out with us is something we value and appreciate. Please join us next week. We also we'll- can't believe it, Jimmy. Every 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 time I look at the numbers going up, I'm like, really? Okay, we'll take it. Listen, next week we're going to welcome our guest, uh, another friend, another partner, Mr. Scott Siegel, co-founder and CEO of Curbit. Um, in the spirit of a lot going on off-prem, delivery, yes, takeaway, right. pickup. Yep. Everyone's this loving is, pickup now. We are, we are, play, we are we're talking pickup uh, with our new partner, Mr. Scott Siegel. Uh, and finally, if you haven't already, uh, please subscribe to our podcast. You don't miss out on any of the exciting guests we have coming up in the future. And better yet, please invite a friend to hang out with us the next time. So until then, with great appreciation to Lindsay and her team, this is Jimmy Frischling, your finance guy, signing off and sending it back to my boy Shatsy. It's Shatsy, a.k.a. Restaurant Guy, saying thank you for all hanging with us. Lindsay, this was awesome. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, guys. Cheers, guys. Thanks. 